0: the video
1: game boss is something we've all had to deal with in one form or another. The boss comes in all shapes and sizes, and no, not that boss. But what happens when the boss isn't just an overgrown pushover, with a few extra hit points? So from the invulnerable to the testing, the precise to the downright clever, I'm Ben Roy from WhatCulture.com and this is 10 Video Game Bosses That Forced You To Play Properly. Number 10. Majid Sadiq, Splinter Cell Blacklist. Stealth games normally drop the ball when it comes to the last boss. Gone is everything the player has learned to this point. All in favour for a climactic set piece which developers can hang their hat on. Well, not when it comes to Splinter Cell Blacklist at least. Blacklist is the black sheep of the series though. Michael Ironside was gone in favour for a younger lead, Eric Johnson. Though we didn't know how good we had it. At least this was Sam Fisher in his own game. From Clancy's Elite Squad anyone? But back to the point at hand, it was in the finale where Blacklist had one of its shining moments. Gone were the trademark night vision goggles that we all come to know and love and about everything else fish are owned Sam is at the end of his wits hunting down Sadiq in the snow with only a knife and the shadows to his advantage and that is it these are the crucial tools that players should be using in Splinter Cell anyway because if you rush Sadiq he'll put you down like a dog and paint the snow red with Sam's blood this is boss design at its simplest that somehow it's so damn clever number 9 Jason Voorhees Friday the 13th the game when Freddy Krueger isn't trying to kill us in our dreams Jason Voorhees is hunting us in the Friday the 13th game Though in this, he can take the form of your best friend or a stranger on the internet. Yes, unlike any boss on this list that teaches you a lesson, it'll in fact be another player, another human being that'll send most to their grave. Via a wide range of glorious kills, of course. After being dropped into Camp Crystal Lake as a counsellor, players will be against the clock to try and find any means of escaping or slowing Jason down. Most versions of Jason are faster than the counsellors. But if he is slower, he never tires. So simply running just won't do it because this mummy's boy will always get you. Unless the person playing Jason is absolutely crap. So yeah, when it comes down to it, you have pretty much three choices. Call the police, fix a vehicle, or the most exciting of all, take Jason out himself. Coordination, skill and concentration are key here. Well, that's kind of a lie as most players will all be running around in fear and hiding in the dark. But in the rare occasion that it all comes together, you knock his mask off and Tommy Jarvis launches the axe into Jason's face. Chef's kiss. That's one of the most satisfying boss kills in modern gaming. Number 8. Hell House Final Fantasy 7 Remake Hell House was pretty much the catalyst for the entire list and a source of much pain for me personally. And not for anything bad either, really. The Hell House isn't broken, it just doesn't pull any punches and makes you play the game properly. Up until this point, you can pretty much spam a special attack from a materia or just constantly button bash until the enemy's dead. But not when it comes to the Hell House, as this house is actually from hell. The only real sane way to be in this house will be paying attention to the windows and watching the colours change. Yes, you've actually got to switch up materia and make sure you're planning for every occasion. And if you call This out first time around, then well done to you. But for some other people, they just don't see it and get pummeled again and again. Number seven, Atat Star Wars Battlefront 2015. What would a Star Wars game be without Hoth level? Dating all the way back to Shadows of the Empire and before, players have been saddling up in a snowspeeder and taking on the Galactic Empire for years now. That entire mode was constructed from this iconic sequence. Now we could all live this out in stunning high definition and on a variety of planets. But when it comes down to it, Walker Assault was always best on Hoth. In this mode, it's less about going gun ho and working together, as the ground troops need to defend the ones in the air. Taking down an attack can be done by shooting it, but it literally takes the entire match. So if the rebels want to come out of this one winning, they best get their tow cables and harpoons ready. And to this day, this is still a challenge for most players. With only 4.5% achieving this on PlayStation. Number 6. All the bosses. Sekiro. Shadows die twice. This game hates you and wants you to feel pain. Unlike any Souls games before or after this, none demand such dedication from the player. And in many waves of men with big sticks that constantly use unblockable attacks don't hammer it home, then the bosses of this game will. Previous games will at least account for a certain level of variety when it comes to playstyle. They even let the player grind out levels if they're finding it too hard. In Sekiro, however, that is all out the window in favour for one style of play and very little opportunity to choose an enemy or a boss. Fat rolling is out the window and well, heck, dodging is almost completely useless. So how does one get through Sekiro without their shadow dying a 100 times? How do you overcome the Ao and Geneshiro? Utilise the hell out of the block and parry system. None of them are going to let you get away with this, you have to block enemies and parry their attacks. That's it. You don't do that, you will die. There is no room for missteps. Trust me on this. Number 5. Jack Baker Resident Evil 7. It took Capcom almost 20 years, but they finally constructed a video game boss that wasn't only terrifying, but was also somewhat fair to fight. Sometimes. When you come to think about it, Jack Baker is the perfect father figure in this universe. If he catches up to Ethan in the early game, he'll whip his ass and punish him for getting caught. And later on, he'll make sure you've learnt how to block. Ethan can't run away either, because everything feels like he's moving through Marguerite's dirty dinner. He's probably going to move at a snail's pace in Resident Evil Village, so, like most of the internet, he'll probably want that tall lady to step on him. But back to the boss at hand, unlike any other Resident Evil game boss before him, Jack encounters don't rely on any tired tropes, so don't worry, take a moment and breathe. The quick time events of Resident Evil 6 are gone. Now hiding is a perfectly viable option, and in the basement, blocking with the chainsaw is literally the only way that Ethan's gonna get out of this one. There is so much more nuance to Jack than any other Resident Evil boss, and if Capcom were ever able to bring him back, fans wouldn't complain. Number 4. Cortex. Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. After the glory days of the PS4, 1 trilogy, players and fans worldwide were forced to deal with whatever was thrown at them on the PS2. You know, back when Crash was trying to be edgy and went through his tribal tattoo stage, luckily for him, humanity moved on and so could Crash. Thankfully the Crash remakes also made this a thing of the past. So where does Cortex fit in? Well apart from being a welcome shake up to the formula, alongside Dingo Dial, players are treated to one final fight at the end of the game. First off, bravo if you made it this far, because about time does not pull the punches. What makes the Cortex fight so special though, is the fact that the game takes everything you've used at this point and crams it into one last showdown. All four masks are at play, but at the command of Cortex, which means Crash and Coco are at his mercy. So yes, even those that made it through the growling Cortex castle have one last hurdle to deal with. Number 3 Xenomorph Alien Isolation. Whether you class this one as a true boss or not, there's no doubt that the Xenomorph will teach you a lesson. Taking what worked from the Amnesia games, Creative Assembly capitalized on this style, and, well, shoved a Xenomorph in it and put you in Amanda Ripley's shoes as she was in search for her mother, swapping out the Nostromo for the Sevastopol and dropping the Pulse Rifle for a Flamethrower. There was a real emphasis on stealth here. In fact, thanks to the Xenomorph in question, this game was the antithesis of any other game based on the Alien franchise prior. Even on Super Easy, this game doesn't mess around. You can't just run away. You can't fight, and you certainly can't hide forever. The Xenomorph is always coming, and pretty much invulnerable at all times. Sometimes there are cannon fodder enemies that I let you run by, and there's even areas where the Xenomorph takes a break. But for the most part, taking it slow and steady is the key here. And if you don't do this, a facehugger might be in your future. Number 2, Ellie, The Last of Us Part 2. We now live in a world where video game trailers can be outright faked, just to preserve the sanctity of the narrative at hand. Whether that's the right way to go about it or not is up for debate. But at least Naughty Dog did all they could to stop spoilers. And then they were leaked. Everywhere. So when the trailers for The Last of Us Part 2 hit the internet, there was quite a lot missing or changed. Scenes were swapped around and we only really saw half the story. This of course is thanks to the switching of perspectives, around halfway through the game, to the new character, Abby. The very one we all saw bash in Joel's head, about 3 hours into the game. So yeah, the swapped Abby about 10-ish hours on was a bit jarring. But aside from all that and all the emotions swirling around, when it comes to Abby versus Ellie and the player is in the shoes of Abby, you can't just rush Ellie. She's ready, unlike Joel was. Taking in the surroundings and utilizing anything found, it'll be a case of taking Ellie by surprise. If any player wants to get through this section, forcing those to hone their skills they've learned over the previous 20 hours. With any other approach, seeing Abby swat like a fly. Number 1. Valkyrie Queen God of War. The God of War franchise has always been known for its enormous bombastic bosses that only got more insane as the series went on. After hitting a sort of climax in God of War 3, there wasn't really anywhere else to go. So with God of War 2018, players got what they didn't even know they needed, a more down-to-earth somber Kratos. Now, sure at one point, players are treated to a throwback boss in that same sort of vein, but this one feels more akin to a callback. The others range from, well, nothing to call home about, to Dragon Ball Z levels of insanity. Though it's the Valkyrie fights in the late game that are the real creme de la creme. These fights feel like Sony Santa Monica has taken a page out of FromSoft's playbook. They're tough, force Kratos and the player to break a sweat, but at least for the most part are quite beatable. But it's the Valkyrie Queen that pushes players to their utmost limit. Even cranking the game down to easy won't help here. In fact, the only thing that will help is mastering the past 8 Valkyries, paying attention to their attack patterns and figuring out how to counter them. Spamming and button mashing just won't work here. Just pure skill and a keen eye. That's what you need when fighting the Valkyrie Queen, who no doubt will stand between you and that Platinum Trophy. And beating this fight is one of the most rewarding moments on the PlayStation 4.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello,